So good morning. You guys want to see my fish I caught? Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh. What happened there? There you go. <laughs> I don't know why. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just... It, it's a flathead catfish? Yeah. And I don't, I see, the problem is when I take pictures, my eyes are closed, so I'm trying to make them real wide, it looks like I'm insane. So I apologize for that. You want to see a picture of my kids? That should be bigger than the catfish. <laughs> there they are. We went hiking. It's been an outdoorsy sort of couple weeks for us. Yeah, so we went, we went hiking up to Big Pine area. Also has uh, nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning, but... That's a gay bevy and Simon and myself, and that's a tree beard in the back. Tree beard. Yeah. <laughs> and this time I got tree beard's waypoints with my watch, so I know exactly where tree beard's at at all times. So, anyway, um, to get actually with what we're talking about is um, conditions of discipleship. Okay, so an inexhaustive list. So, I, you know, there's a lot of pressure when you say you got to do these things and then this will happen. Um, or these are prerequisites, these are the three things that you need, so I want to do that because, you know, I'm a, I'm a lay person and I really don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to go with this list and they kind of um, are very similar. There's a lot of parallels in the, the three things that I'm bringing up this morning. Um, and so there's a lot of like similarities and characteristics between those three things that we're going to be talking about and um, I didn't even come up with them. So I got to, um, you know, I gotta admit that. Um, so this is actually from a book that we've been studying on Sunday morning, and it is called uh, "Spiritual Discipleship: Following Christ for Every Believer: Principles of Following Christ for Every Believer." And you know, it's been an excellent read. It's something that it's the second time, uh, or the second book in the series that we've done uh, by J. Oswald Sanderson on Sunday mornings uh, back in the family room. It's kind of a leadership focus, um, but anyone's welcome to show up. And um, it's been great. I mean, at least from my perspective, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe everyone else thinks it's terrible, but I think it's been pretty good. Um, thank, you. thank you. So anyway, uh, so, but this is where these principles came out of, and I just wanted to talk about them today. Um, and for anyone in this class, it's from Chapter 2. So uh, without further ado, the first one is an unrivaled love. So I guess, you know, perhaps I should back up a bit. And just, um, you know, state that these are uh, conditions of being a disciple is what uh, the book proposes. So it's things that uh, we need to have evident in our life as far as when you're going into discipleship. Again, I don't know that this is all of them, um, you know, and they're very similar. But it is uh, these things I, you know, in reading and I'm like, yeah, I, that does make sense. And there's, there's um, you know, a biblical basis for those. The first one, un, an unrivaled love. So this is from uh, Luke 14, 25 through 33. Large crowds were now traveling with Jesus and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So Christ wants from us an unrivaled love. Now, does anyone 
pick out like what kind of the sticky word there is? Hate, right? That was, that was my thing. I was like, uh, hate? Really? I mean, <laughs> what is that? Is it really hate? Okay. Raise your hand if it's GIF. Raise your hand if it's GIF. Raise your hand if you don't care and it doesn't matter. Okay. This pretty much covers the... Okay, so we'll go with GIF. Um, so uh, there's another instance where Christ, um, I don't think it is in the same context, but he says very, something very similar. He who loves uh, father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's found in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Um, so it's the same topic. Um, I think from my perspective, Jesus was trying to communicate a level of intensity, just how important it is to place Jesus Christ ahead of all else, right? Our, our love for him needs to be unrivaled. Now, we know, you know, with, with what we know about the Bible, I mean, we're, we love our neighbor as ourselves, right? I mean, we honor our father and mother, right? I mean, we see that in Scripture. I don't know that it really, we're, we're to, God is going to call us to hate everyone else but him. But it really just paints a picture of, um, you know, that ultimate devotion, the one thing I'll say is I looked up the word, I hate, in, you know, as far as the Greek translation, I found love less, and that's actually what the book talks about, but it, you know, it kind of didn't, it seemed like it meant hate, you know. Um, but again, from my perspective, that's more of a, you know, this is so important, and that's how, that was the wording that was used, and then, of course, we have this here. So, um, but the, the big thing, you know, is we need to love our God, the Lord our God, um, with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength and with all our mind. And we will love our neighbor as ourself. Okay. So, again, that sounds like a lot, right? I mean, that's a lot of love. That's a lot of devotion that we are to give to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Yeah, so I, I, think that's where, I think that's where Jesus was heading with that. Um, but... The second is like it. We love our neighbor as ourself. Um, and that's how we demonstrate Jesus' love, right? I mean, when we have our neighbors show up on, I think it's the 29th of this month. Um, someone was here uh, yesterday. We had men's group, uh, prayer group yesterday. And someone was here, you know, asking about the, the food uh, distribution, right? Um, you know, and I told them we do that on the last Saturday of the month. So just come back. Uh, but that's what we're commanded to do is love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Um, and that's in Luke 10, 27. So then I guess the question that I have is, um, what is winning our hearts? <laughs> is it football? Is it the bunny? That's a sort of insight. If you're a VeggieTales aficionado, you'll know what that means. Um, is it fishing? That's not in there by accident. <laughs> um, is it work? You know? Um, is it work here at the church? Isn't that kind of interesting, right? Can't that be something that we love? We're more devoted to the church at work more than Jesus Christ? Is it our country? It just gets kind of stickier, right? Is it our friends? Is it our family? 
I mean, things that we're, you know, it's appropriate to love, you know, it's appropriate to have passion for. It's important to place an emphasis on these things. But when they usurp Jesus Christ, that's where it becomes a problem. That's where it becomes idolatry, really, right? I mean, I don't, most, uh, okay, we, uh, we had a, uh, you know, we, we have things that we can have in our house that can um, actually kind of represent kind of weird stuff, you know. Um, I won't get into the details, but it's happened to us before. Um, and I thought, oh, that's funny. I, I would imagine that would be, uh, that, uh, that I kind of idolatry exists any longer, you know. But I think most, for the most part, it's not uh, images of stone or images of wood that we deal with in this day and age, right? I mean, we're all, you know, enlightened. We don't, that, that's, that's silly stuff, right? But what is it that we struggle with, you know? What is it? What are some things that we worship as a society? Phones, cars, social media, money. A bunch of other stuff, right? Ourselves, yeah. And so, and that is idolatry just as much as it was when, um, you know, Baal was hanging around, right? Uh, in the Old Testament. So just think, what is winning your hearts? And the thing that I was convicted of when I did this, of course, you know, that's why I put fishing on there, is how much of the time do I spend in, in thought and in deed, maybe money? How much of these things am I devoting to whatever it is, right? I mean, how much am I thinking about, you know, how I'm going to catch the bluegill to catch the 37-pound catfish versus how am I going to minister to a brother or sister in need? Or what's God trying to tell me today? If I would just listen, right? Um, you know, and I mean, I'm kind of preaching at myself right now, quite honestly. But I would venture to say that there's a lot of us in a room that have something like that to deal with, right? Um, it's just human nature. We have, our, we have things that we get excited about, and there's nothing inherently wrong with it. I'm not saying that, you know, there's nothing you know, wrong with football, right? I mean, football's awesome. I'm a Dolphin fan, you know? I, I didn't even say that out loud, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> it just kind of came out. Um, but you know, when it takes a place, and when I think about it all the time, when I'm on, uh, you know, fantasy draft and thinking, oh, who have I gotta pick up and who have I gotta drop and all this stuff, who can I trade? You know, this is a problem, right? It's a problem, you know, and, it, and uh, in and of itself, it's fine. Nothing wrong with money. Money's fine, you know, um, but it's that love of money that leads to all kinds of evil, right? So just something to ponder, something I was thinking about when I was doing this. Um, so first one, unrivaled love. If there's any love in your life that has any sort of competition with Jesus Christ, that's a problem for becoming a disciple, and we're all called to become disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. It's not just like, hey, I'm not going to be a disciple. I'm just going to kind of have my fire insurance. We're called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, an unceasing cross-bearing. An unceasing cross-bearing. And whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. As also we read that earlier, Luke 14, 27. Um, so... You know, I thought about it, like, we hear a lot about carrying a cross. What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, how does that work? So I, uh, I Googled it, 
you know, because that's what you do, right? It's funny because there was, um, I remember I was building test questions for our district and there was stuff about how to use an encyclopedia. Who cares? <laughs> Nobody does that anymore. <laughs> Just Google it. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry, Encyclopedia Botanica, if you're listening. Uh, but anyway, I Googled it, and Arthur Blessett has walked across every nation, territory, and island group on the planet. 38,102 38, miles. Uh, enough that he made him the Guinness uh, Book World Record holder. Um, and he did that carrying a cross. He does uh, hold it, although the record keeper doesn't really have a category for what he did. So, you know, it would be enough for a Guinness book, but they're like, hmm, who's carried the cross the longest? We don't have that category, so, but it would work. So, um, He walked all those miles uh, between 1969 and 2009 uh, with a heavy wooden cross resting on his shoulder. A small wheel attached to the bottom of the cross held blessed. Roll it across seven continents through the Middle Eastern war zones over Antarctic ice and through South American jungle. Um, I mean, honestly, I think that's pretty cool. You know, I'm not gonna say, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty cool testament, but guess what? Someone already did it, so. <laughs> that one's taken, <laughs> which is, I guess, good, because I wasn't in the market to do that anyway. But, um, but yeah, so, um, you know, that's an awesome testimony. I, I'm sure he has, I didn't look into it, but I'm sure he has a story to tell with that. I'm sure it wasn't just watch me carry this big wooden cross around, but there was, I would hope anyway, that there's some sort of connection uh, with Jesus, with that message that he told um, through his action. You know, but I don't know that most of us, it, that's what cross bearing will look like, um, you know, quite honestly. Uh, so if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself uh, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Luke 9, 23 and 24. So um, there was a couple things in there, three things that jumped out to me. Things that kind of look, what does cross bearing look like? It's a daily event. It's something that's done day by day. Now, there's things that we do in faith that are not necessarily day by day. They're not necessarily a thing, a discipline. We just jump in and do it, right? I know I'm a very introverted person, and for me to talk to some stranger, I've tricked my brain and just, like, I've got to do it before I really think about it. Because once I start thinking about it, I'm not going to do it unless the Holy Spirit, that has happened too. The Holy Spirit's burned in me and like, you got to talk to this person, you know? Um, but a lot of times I just do it. It's like when you jump in the cold water. I mean, generally, if you put your toe in to the, like, I'm talking 50 degrees, right? You know, like where we're backpacking, you know, that kind of cold water. You put your toe in and you get it out and you're like, I'm not going to do that, you know. Um, if you just jump in before you think about it, it's too late. Once you hit in the air, you're not going to, you know, rewind the whole thing. You just do it, right? Um, and there's things that, you know, that happens. But... You know, the discipline comes when you just get in that cold water day every day, right? Kobe Bryant, right? Kobe Bryant took an ice bath, like, after every game later on in his career, you know? And I mean, literally jumped in or got into this contraption, had ice in it. He'd get in there and sit in there because it reduced the swelling of his body. 
And it wasn't because he had some tremendous tolerance, I don't think, for pain, which maybe he did. I mean, the things that he kind of did would point to that. But I think the thing was he was disciplined. You know, he knew that that would, if he did that every day, it would lead to him being able to perform better. Um, that's what that day-by-day -day thing is. It's a discipline. It's a daily thing, bearing our cross. Make a decision that today I'm going to do something for Jesus, whatever God calls me to do. I'm going to get up, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell someone about Christ, and I'm going to do that every single day, right? That's the discipline. Uh, denying yourself. And, and that's hard, too, because sometimes, I mean, we have these awesome plans, right? We have these desires in our heart that are good. Um, we have needs, right? And they're not bad. I mean, I guarantee you, in about an hour, we're all going to be hungry. Well, most of us probably. I would, I would be hungry. Um, we have needs, right? Uh, but sometimes those plans aren't God's plans. And that's, and that's where it gets tricky because sometimes they seem like good things. Like, I'm going to go do this. But maybe that's not God's plan, right? I have this desire. It might be a good desire. But is it what God wants you to desire? I have needs. Well... You do have needs, but God talks about he's going to provide those needs. So those, you just deny yourself, right? That's part, that comes second. Part of being, it's, 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 it's expensive. Like, you know, counting the cost of being a disciple is expensive. But we're called to deny ourselves, And God will provide these things, you know, so oftentimes. You know, if he's, he probably has placed a desire in your heart, that you're to go after. But if he places it, it's good. If it's something we're trying to do, you know, maybe not. Uh, and then follow, right? How do we follow? How do we follow God? What do we need to do? How do you, how do you, how do you follow someone? What do you got to do? You kind of got to know where they're going, right? You got to have to follow them. You have to kind of, you know... How do we know what God wants? Yeah, right? You read his word and you be in prayer. Um, that's basics of relationship. I mean, so oftentimes we hear that, right? Uh, we have a relationship with our spouse, with our sibling, uh, with our father, with our child. The relationship is rich when we communicate, right? Other than if we don't, it's pretty shallow. Um, and that God is it's nothing different with the Lord. We have to be in God's word on a daily basis. We need to be in prayer on more than a daily basis, you know? I mean, prayer without ceasing. And again, I mean, I'm like kind of convicted with this one because what do I do? I go to work and it's like, you know, this whole spiritual side kind of shuts down, honestly, and then this like work side fires up, and then I'm at work all day, and then I stop and think, man, have I thought about Jesus Christ at all today? Have I considered what he wants me to do? Something doesn't work right, I do. I will say that. When Star Wars starts up at work, I'm like, oh, please, Jesus, help me figure this out. <laughs> and I guess if, probably if I just was talking to him all the time, less of that stuff would happen. Because it wouldn't be God like trying to hit me on the head, like, hey, remember me? Uh, 
But we need to be in his word. Uh, we need to be praying. And we need to be listening, you know, when we pray, right? Listening to what God has is to say to us. We need to be in his word. That's how God speaks to us, right, is in his word, reading the Bible. Um, so anyway, yeah, so it's uh, an unceasing cross-bearing. Doesn't end. Deny daily. It's a discipline. Deny yourself. Follow him. Uh, you're not the boss of me. That's what we used to say, my sister and I. You're not the boss of me. I don't know if that, is that still a thing? You're not the boss of me? Okay. You're not the boss of me. What are you going to do? You're not the boss of me. Uh, do you not know that when you offer yourselves as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin leading to death or to obedience leading to righteousness. But thanks be to, that, to God that though you, were one, you, were, you once were slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were committed. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You're not the boss anyway, right? We are not the boss. We're either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. And I think we know that, right? I mean, when we, and I, you know, there's that sin where we just kind of mess up. We had a moment of weakness. We just made a poor choice. There's a habitual sin, right? There's a, that's something different. And, I mean, ex knowing someone, being a, having experienced habitual sin, you are a slave to it. It's not like, well, I'm just not going to do that. Flip the switch, right? I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to be like that anymore. No, you're a slave to it. You know, it's controlling you. The enemy's controlling you through that sin. You don't have control. You know, we get tricked thinking we got control, but we don't, right? So we can be slaves to that sin or slaves to righteousness. We're not the boss anyway, right? And we're going to, we, we find that out, right? At the end, we find out we, we don't really have any control. One day, we're going to die, you know? No one's going to live forever in this flesh. And real quick, we get it, right? Oh, we're not the boss, you know? We don't have control. Um, so, hey, might as well follow him, right? I'd rather be a slave to righteousness, quite honestly. Amen? Amen. That sounds way better to me than trying to be a slave to sin. Thirdly, an unreserved surrender. In the same way, any one of you who does not give up everything, he, he has cannot be my disciple. He cannot be my disciple. Sorry, that's a typo. He cannot be my disciple, Luke 14, 33. So I saw everything. And I'm like, okay, really everything? Well, maybe that's like the hate thing, you know? Maybe it sort of doesn't mean it. So I looked it up in the Greek. Guess what it means? Everything! It means everything. Okay? It really did. I was like, oh man, not everything. So we need to be, you know, it's holding these things loosely, right? We have to be willing to give up everything. Uh, and that is hard to do. 
right? And it's like, you, you know, we've talked about this before. It's like holding this stuff in our hand. We hold it, but not like this, right? We have it, but we need to be able to let that go, right? And we think, oh, yeah, I can let that go. But then when push comes to shove, are you really going to be able to do that? You know, whatever that is. So, I mean, you know, for examples, let's make it more concrete. Like maybe it's a career, you know. Maybe you have a, a career that's just awesome. And God's calling you to go overseas and be a, a missionary. And you're thinking, i got to give up my career where I make a nice living and everything is, I have everything I need, everything I could want, but I'm supposed to give all that up. And how would you know you're supposed to give that up? You've just got to be reading your Bible and praying, right? That's the, that's the other step, right? But, you know, we talked about that. So just think about that. What is it in our lives, I'm going to include myself, that maybe God is calling us to give up? We need to be willing to give up everything. And I don't know that there's, we're called to give up everything, you know, but we need to be ready to do it. And what is it maybe that God's calling us to surrender? Uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Matthew 6, 25 through 27. So the worrying part, that's a big problem with me. You know, I'll confess that. And that's a pride issue, that's an ego issue. I'm not going to try and, well, I'm just a worrier, and it's kind of like, okay, because he's just a worry wart. No, it's a problem, right, when you worry, because you're worrying because you think you can control something, right? You can have control over it. And so when you worry, you're like, well, if I worry, then I can think of a way to, to handle this. You know, if you give things up to the Lord, and you don't worry about it, right, and you just give up that control. Anyway, uh, is... This was interesting because I meditated on this. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So um, are we called to go after, you know, In-N-Out Burger? Or what else is good? Who's, what are we eating this after church today? Where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? Okay, we're probably going in and out then. And where's Paul? Is Paul in here? Paul doesn't like in and out. Right? Philip? Paul doesn't like in and out? Okay, so I qualify. Maybe it's Freddie's better. Maybe he likes in and out. I think he doesn't like it, though. <laughs> so, um, see, I don't know how that's possible, but whatever. Uh, but, you know, I mean, we're not, life is more than chasing after a meal and trying to get some sweet threads, right? Life is more than that. Uh, and the other part of this is God has given us more than that. 
God has given us more than, you know, the clothes that I have on, you know, this building. I mean, God has given us Jesus Christ as a, a propitiation for our sins, right? God's given us that. And so if he's given us that, can't we trust him to have, give us the other stuff too as we need it, right? I mean, we're not promised things necessarily other than he will supply our needs. Um, and it's funny because uh, Darlene and I were just, we were actually kind of talking about that a little bit, huh? Just how we were going through the, the pastor search committee process and how God just consistently provided our needs uh, and probably to the extent that we stepped back and allowed him to, right? Um, so, I mean, worry's not going to cut it. But um, kind of getting back, you know, we need to have this willingness to give up all things, to give up everything for him and trust him that he will carry us through, right? And not hold on to the stuff that's, you know, just not, not the most important thing anyway. Um, this is actually what we're going to do in just a moment. So, just in closing, uh, what are the three things here? I kind of want to just loop back to that. We got an, an unrivaled love. So, don't have any sort of competition with, with Jesus. An unending, uh, unceasing cross-bearing. You know, make a daily commitment to deny ourselves and to follow him and an unrivaled surrender. Do you see what I'm saying? How they're very similar, right? These things, there's a lot of parallels and a lot of habits of action that are similar with these things. So just think about that. And think about just discipleship in general. Is that something God is calling you to go deeper into? Um, is that something where God's calling you to learn more about him, to follow him more closely? Maybe to start to pare back parts of our life that we're holding on to too tightly and give that over to him. Right? I don't think we have to do it all at once, you know, but we can work on it, right? Maybe God's calling us to learn about him more through his word, through the study of the word of God. I don't know. You know, and it's, you know all, these things all exist, but it's all different for different people. So we're going to pray here, and I'd just like you to think about that, all right? Just think about where God's calling you, and I'm doing the same. Believe me, okay? This isn't something I'm talking at you. I am attempting to come alongside you with this. Because I will say that, you know, I'm wondering if this is where God is taking new hope to, to a, a deeper uh, relationship, that, uh, a deeper uh, sense of discipleship, a deeper commitment to him. I don't know. I'm just wondering that because it seems like it keeps coming up. So anyway, go ahead and bow your heads. Heavenly Father, uh, we just, we love you so much. God, we're here, the people are here, and this is, I mean, the folks that are here today, it's a 4th of July weekend. They probably could be so many other places, and yet they are here because they love you. 
God, I pray that you bless this congregation, each individual that is here, um, because they're making a commitment to you, Lord. And as we kind of learn about that, Lord, and we know that we have so far to go, um, God, we know, though, that it's not on our own power that we travel this, um, but it's by your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, um, we pray that um, if there's something here that you want us to examine in our own lives, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in each and every one of us that we may know what part that we're uh, supposed to take a look at and consider and become uh, more like you, Jesus, in that. God, I uh, just thank you so much uh, for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray a, pray a blessing on them this morning. In your name, Jesus.